Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you. Listen to this. Who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I want to read that one more time. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Man, maybe that's a, maybe that's a verse this year you just need to, to memorize and implant in your soul. To be reminded that you have a God who acts on behalf of you as you wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, you rem- who remember your ways, but when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you've hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Father, I pray that, Lord, we would lay hold to this truth here in Isaiah 64. That Jesus, we would remember with intentionality that you are our father and that you act on our behalf and that you are the potter and we are the clay. Lord, would you mold us? God, would we be a willing vessel that allow your hands to shape us into a greater image of who you are? God, this year has shaped us in a lot of ways. But at the close of this year, Lord, would we be people who would invite your presence and ask you to move, to speak, and to change us. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In your precious name we pray, amen. Before you grab a seat, would you turn to a couple people nearby you and tell them the number one thing you are most looking forward to in this coming year? Three, two, one, go. Some of you are like, the thing I'm looking most forward to is it's not 2020. <laughs> right? No. Mold. I think when I think of the word mold, I think of the potter 
that shapes a vessel, that molds it with intentionality with his fingers, that shapes it into a desired object. Mold, um, it's done with intentionality. I want you to to hearken back in your memory to your childhood, to Play-Doh. We got any Play-Doh fans in the room? I, as a father, despise Play-Doh. Um, I'm a little bit, I, I, I like things clean, nice and neat in order, and Play-Doh is the exact opposite of all of that. For whatever reason, children have this like, let's just crush it into the carpet and see what happens, right? <laughs> so they play with it when daddy's not home. Um, <laughs> because I just like, if I find Play-Doh, I naturally just want to throw it away. <laughs> but but there, there's all different kinds of things that you can take it, you can shape it, and you can mold it into. It's the same exact substance but it can change in look and purpose based on whose hands we've trusted to mold it with. If you put it into the hands of a skilled individual, they can take Play-Doh and make it into the most beautiful, creative, awesome thing. Or if you hand it to my two-year-old, it turns into this hodgepodge, let's mix all the colors together till it looks like mud. And then just throw it at the walls, right? It really does matter. The shape matters on who is actually molding it. It can be shaped into anything. And what can happen is, is it can be affected by the way it, the, the person who molds it will change how it looks and will also change its purpose. I want to give you one more, a little bit of an illustration of this. I, I discovered this just recently. Um, there's a difference between a four-year-old artist and a skilled professional, right? Now, now as parents, we always applaud our kids, even when they hand us that drawing that you're like, oh, it's a cat. (laughs) You you do it with like the question mark and they're like, no, dad, that's Santa. Oh, I see it now. (laughs) You're looking at this. Well, I love this. And it shows the difference of, 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 who we allow to hand the pen of our life or hand the ability to mold us. I want to show you a picture. Let's just, all right, so this is a dad <laughs> who is skilled with Photoshop, and he took his son's drawing and then Photoshopped what it would really look like in real life if that giraffe came to life. <laughs> right? So you've got this kid's drawing, and then you've got this terrifying monstrosity that if you saw it in the wild, you would run for your life, Right? So this is your typical like four, six-year-old artist versus, let's go to the next one. There should be one more. Take a look at that. Now, same thing, same tools, paper, pen, but the look and outcome is completely different based on who was holding the pen based on who was allowed to write or mold that piece of art into something else. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. You and I, all of us, were clay. We're the same substance. On the surface, we look a little bit dirty. You ever played around in clay as a kid? But clay taken and hand it over to the master craftsman, to the master potter, everything changes. The look and the outcome have everything to do with who we have allowed to mold us. 
It affects the look and the purpose. Let me give you one more illustration. Let's go to the next picture. There's two different rings here. This is a story of two different rings. You see, what we allow to mold us can affect the outcome and the purpose of the object. The ring on the left, in our culture and time, this is a wedding band. This, this ring's purpose is a symbol to the world of love. It's a symbol to the world of, I have chosen to be with this person. I have chosen to love my wife. Um, I'm terrible at like losing things, so my ring is like a little bendy rubber one. <laughs> but the symbol still stands there, right? Now, this ring on the left, I mean, sorry, on the right, on the other hand, is a different ring. It's, it's a ring that um, I, I've heard about in history classes um, in ancient times, what often would happen is that the, the royal families, um, there was an instance where a queen had a ring like this, and there was another one that was a little bit different that had just a little bit of a needle on the end of it. And when there would be a party, there was poison that was tipped in it, and there was a person that was their arch enemy. They would just nonchalantly come by and just barely rub them with the ring, scraping their skin and inserting the poison into them. Within hours, they would be dead. See that little hole right there at the top? This is an ancient ring that they have found that they would basically keep poison in there. And so when you'd be next to someone, you would just barely tip your hand over and the poison would come out of the ring into that person's goblet and could kill them. Same object, different function, different purpose. My question for us today and for us to wrestle with is, what is our life being molded into? A life that displays love to the world or a life that's maybe putting out poison and dealing out death, destruction. I want to persuade you today to number one, to take stock of your life. To pause this morning and go, okay, God, who am I? What is shaping me? What am I becoming? Secondly, to invite him to search your heart. And to ask him, God, would you mold me? God, would you take this vessel? Would you shape it and mold it for your purposes? And then number three, I want you to request that he would use you. Because right now, this week, we're encountering the gap. Let me explain what I mean by this. December 24th through January 1, it's this weird gap, right? Um, we've been celebrating, we've been remembering, and then now we're kind of preparing for the new year. When Christmas has come, um, we're, we're in this spot where like there's this limbo, right? You're like, well, do I put away the Christmas decorations? Do I leave them up? Some of you are like, yes, put them away. Liz is like, let's go another month, <laughs> right? No, there's this moment of like, what, what kind of, there's this gap in this time of going, what, what happens next? But also as the new year's approaching, there's a natural tendency for all of us to start to take stock of our life and specifically stock of this last year. What's happened to me? Who have I become? What's shaping me? What's molding me? Why am I today the way that I am? This gap is a space that naturally brings in us a pause in our life, in our year, and it begs us to stop and to look and to ask some questions, right? The 2020, I feel like as an entire year has been almost like a gap. It's caused us to pause and really take stock of what's most important. 
When everything came crashing down, whenever we were required to quarantine and stay in our homes and all these different things, suddenly we were required to start thinking about what really is important to me, to my family, what are the things that we value? Because suddenly there was no sports on TV. Suddenly your kids couldn't play sports at school. The movie theaters were completely shut down. Restaurants and places we wanted to go in the past. And what was left is this, okay, well, what's vital and what's most important to us? And suddenly we realized, a lot of us, that our schedules were absolute chaos. And it was an invitation to look in. See, this gap is a space that naturally brings pause on us and it invites questions that we should run to rather than run from. Things like, who are we? Where have we been? What have we done? What is shaping and molding my life? Or what has been in my life that shouldn't be? Or what hasn't been in my life that needs to be? Or what can be or what could happen? What maybe do I need to start or do? Or maybe this is a gap in a space where God's going to just start to breathe in you some new dreams. Some things that he wants to do in and through you for his kingdom. Can I tell you something? There's a gap in Isaiah 64. The people of God were in this exact same space where they're left going, okay, we need to take some stock of some things. See, for years they lived in absolute um, affluence and in wealth and in pleasure and in comfort, but in the process of that, they had completely and totally abandoned God. They had mixed their worship with some of the most dark things that had surrounded their, their nation and the cultures around them, and they had blended it into their worship. They would, yes, go to the temple and worship Yahweh, but then they would leave there and immediately go to the hills and worship countless other gods. The worship had become blended with the culture that surrounded them, and their sin just continued to pile onto itself and increase and increase to the point that then suddenly this temple that had been reserved for Yahweh, it no longer even more is being worshipped just Yahweh. They're bringing in pagan worship into the temple. And as their sins piled up, they found themselves in a dark place. I want, to, I want you to reread with me some of the sections from Isaiah 64 because I want you to notice this gap in, in what's taking place. So they remembered that God that they served was mighty in power. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah 64 starts with a remembrance. Can we go back just one? Starts with a remembrance the God we serve, you're mighty in power. Can I tell you something? As you step into 2020, actually 2021, <laughs> as you step into 2020, well, let's not redo that one, okay? As we step into 2021, can I, can I plead with you something? Can you remember today the God you serve is mighty in power? 
When he speaks, mountains quake. When he decides to act, nothing can stop him. The God that you serve is the God who longs to come near. If we're gonna take stock of ourselves, if we're gonna intentionally remember and ask God to mold, we need to first remember who it is we're talking to. He is not small or minuscule, he is mighty and powerful. We need to remember that. But you see, they they found themselves in a second spot though. They needed to address the reality of where they were. This gap created space for them to realize, man, God, we've made some mistakes. So they remembered God was mighty in power, but secondly, they remembered their brokenness and sin. And And Isaiah writes, but when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. Man, what a line. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. See, that's when we get ourselves into some problems, isn't it? When we forget of the God we serve, when we forget to call on his name, when we forget that the God we serve is a God who longs to know us and we don't have any desire to lay hold of him, life becomes chaotic. For you've hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. See, the people of Israel, they didn't get here in just a moment. It wasn't like they made one simple mistake and God was like, all right, <laughs> punishment's coming. No, this was a series of generational decline of sin, of being steeped in idolatry, where God sends prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, pleading with the people, repent, turn from your sins, return to God, he loves you, repent. And the people either completely don't heed them or they murder the prophets. This was not just a momentary lapse. This was a allowing their world and their culture to mold them into a vessel of poison and destruction. And now as they encounter the pain of their brokenness, it finally causes them to look back and go, God, how did we get here? But can I tell you something? Isaiah 64 ends beautifully. Let's continue on. They remembered something vital and important. They remembered who was the potter and who was the clay. Yet you, Lord, are our father. And we are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray. For we are all your people. Can I tell you something? What is vital to remember this morning is who actually is the potter and who actually is the clay. I'm really great. There's a tendency in every single one of us that we want to grab hold of our life and we want to mold it. God, I think I got this. I'll just take the reins for the next season. How's that working out for us? Right? Like every time I take the reins of my life, bad things happen. 
But when we remember that we serve the master potter who has a plan and who has dreams and designs that are beyond your wildest imagination for your life, if we will just hand our life back over in his hands and say, God, would you shape me? Jesus, would you mold me? And so the question that we're left asking is this, who or what is molding you? Who or what is molding your life? Can we take just a moment right now this morning? And can I just ask you to just just close your eyes? Just bow your heads, close your eyes, every single one of us this morning. I wanna ask a series of questions. And the reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is because I want you to think inwardly. I want you to just fire these questions at your soul. In this past year, who or what did you allow to mold your heart? Let me, let me explain just a little bit further what I mean by that. If you were to look at your life right now, where's your time, your energy, and your money gone towards? Where have you staked your identity? Where are you pursuing or looking at to find joy, peace, love, fulfillment, hope? Where are you looking for it at? What are you? doing consistently that is shaping you into the person you are at right now? What are your decisions based off of? What are your desires directed towards and what dreams are filling your heart? You can open your eyes. These are things that I think that we're supposed to take stock of and take to the presence of God and go, Holy Spirit, would you breathe again? Holy Spirit, would you breathe into my life? And the question comes then is how pliable is your heart? Let me explain what I mean by that. One of the things that God, um, whenever he was speaking with Israel, often talked about them is he, he called them hard-hearted, or he would say something like, I have a calloused, or they have a calloused heart. Do you know what a callous is? Callous is uh, dead skin. Typically what happens is where uh, there's been a wound or a constant rubbing that has not been taken care of, what the body naturally does is it covers over that wound with dead skin that has no sense of touch or no feeling, Right? And over time, that callus develops and it gets harder and it gets harder and it gets harder to the point that you can take almost like a needle and walk up to that callus and you can poke that callus and you can't even feel the needle. You can even puncture it into the skin of that callus where that dead skin is and there is no pain, there is no feeling. Do you catch this? Listen to me. This is what God is looking at Israel and he's saying. He goes, do you realize you have calloused hearts? You have covered over your heart with death to the point you no longer have feeling." I wonder, man, in our own lives sometimes, is there not some areas that God's going, would you just, would you trust me? It might hurt for a moment, 
But we need to get back to the place where you can feel again. Where we can pull back and deal with the wound as it's supposed to be because I'm the healer. I think that God, one of the things that he's speaking today is he's looking at some of our hearts and he's saying, would you trust me with your heart again? Is your heart pliable to the leading of God? Today, would you be willing just to to be vulnerable? Maybe it's the first time ever or maybe it's been years since you've fully been vulnerable and said, you know what, God? The last few people I've trusted this to, they've stomped on it. But Jesus, you've never stomped on me. Jesus, I I wanna be vulnerable and trust you once again. Can I tell you something today? You have a lover of your soul who is faithful and good is powerful and true. You have a healer who's in our midst. And some of us, I'm just saying, it's time for us to have softened hearts again that are sensitive to touch. And lastly, what mold are you wanting? Are we wanting a mold of our own design or that fits the potter's intention. My prayer for us is that we would pause long enough to to let our, our dreams and desires be pushed to the side long enough for God to speak. And into that space, into that gap, allow him to mold us because he's got something far better in store. You know, my prayer for you is that you would have the heart of King David today because King David had a molded heart. I want to read to you this verse, and it's from Psalms 139. And he says, oh, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are well acquainted with all of my ways. Can I just pause for a moment? I want you to think with me how terrifying it would be if at all times there was like seven video cameras that surrounded you and broadcasted live on Facebook, not just what you were doing, but every thought that crossed your head. (laughs) Can you imagine how terrifying that would be, especially when you're driving in like bumper to bumper traffic and that person cuts you off (laughs) and suddenly every thought you had is displayed to the world? (laughs) I've always said it's a good thing that they don't have rocket missiles on cars because I'd be in prison for murder, right? It'd be like, you know, it's one of those things you're just like, oh, Jesus, calm me down. <laughs> it's one of the, but, but think about this. This is what David's saying. He's saying, listen to me, you, there's not a single thought you have that is absent from God's knowledge. Oh, Lord, you've searched me. You know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, this is terrifying. Behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. Before I even speak, God, you know what I'm going to say. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me. It is high. I cannot attain it. David was aware that his God, our God, search his hearts. 
the God we serve, he knows you intimately. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you've done. And can I tell you something? This is what's so astounding. And he still draws near. He is the God that can take mud and turn it into a useful vessel. He's the God that can take the dirty clay that gets underneath your fingernails and it's grimy and it gets hard and it like gets all over your fingers and if it dries, it's like you're trying to peel it and pick it off. He's the God who can take that and turn it into a priceless object that can be sold for thousands of dollars. He can take ashes and turn it to beauty, mud and turn it into worth. And there's no one in this room that starts off looking pretty we're all clay. But we serve a God who is expert at changing that. You serve a God who, David realizes, God, you have always been searching. You have searched me. You know my thoughts. You know my desires. You know every hidden thing. You know my direction before I even take it. You know my words before I even say it. You know there's nowhere that I can turn or I can run to. or I cannot hide from your presence, he says. If I ran to the highest mountain or if I went to the lowest depths of the sea, your presence would still be there pursuing me. You knew me even before I was born. This knowledge, I want you to catch this. He starts Psalm 139 with, oh Lord, you have searched me. But he brings it to a different close. Psalms 139 concludes with these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In David's gap, he brings about a powerful invitation. He moves from saying, God, I know that you are doing this to God. I want you to do this. God, would you search me? Because you know me better than I know myself. You know, there's people in our life that they know us better than we know ourselves. I can go to a restaurant and my wife's not even at the table and I can order for her and she can sit down at the table and be like, that's what I wanted. How did you know? (laughs) She can do the same thing for me. They'll come out and they'll be like, all right, now what salad would he like to start off with? And she's like, nope, (laughs) just bring the bread, (laughs) lots of butter, (laughs) right? She knows me. Your God knows you even more. He knows every single hair on your head. He knows them by number. David brings a powerful invitation and he's saying, God, would you search me? There's a stark difference between God searching us in inviting him to search us. Let me say that again. There's a stark difference between God, between knowing that God searches us and inviting him to search us. Because one brings us along with the journey. Says, God, now I want to know. I I want you to search me, and I want to know what you're uncovering. Would you change me? Would you shape me? Would you mold me? Would you make me into a greater vessel for you that when my life is put on display, that people can see you through me? Would you take this hunk of mud and do something great with it? 
Search me, know me, try me, know my thoughts, look deeply in me. Would you point out anything that's there that shouldn't be there? And then God, can you lead me in the way everlasting? Who you invite to the search matters. It matters. They can change everything in just a moment. Who you take on the journey with you matters. Some of you, you've been on a road trip with the wrong person. You know what I'm talking about? You're stuck driving 18 hours and that person does not know how to not ask questions. <laughs> They're two minutes into the 18-hour drive. Are we there yet? And you're like, oh, man. One of us is going to make it. One is not. <laughs> you know, compared to, the, you know, if you bring, like, your best friend on the journey with you. See, David understood that the potter was searching and he wanted to be a willing clay. He wanted to be an available clay. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7 says this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Listen to this next verse. This is so beautiful. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What Paul's writing here and he's saying is, listen to me, your life and my life were just jars of clay. But if we will allow him, he can take that and put treasure in it. And the life of Christ can shine out of you. Is that not a worthwhile request for 2021? God, would you deposit treasure in me? Would you let the life of Jesus shine out of my life? For those who choose to be molded by God, treasure shines out of brokenness. Beauty emerges from even our most utter chaos. As we remember, we're the clay and he's the potter. His light shines, he's revealed. Hope, light, and life come from in this earth vessel. I want to talk to you this morning about a kingdom request. A kingdom request that I plead that we all would make. And it begins with a powerful shift of our perspective from give me to use me. When we start usually the beginning of a year, it's full of a lot of like, God, I, I really need to do the following things. <laughs> I'm just, I'll give you a list of a few of mine. I, my goal this year is to lose about 30 pounds. Um, it's on the list. There, there's some different things that I'm wanting to do or wanting to accomplish. But what can happen oftentimes, especially when we get into like our relationship with God, it becomes like the typical like four-year-old's prayer around Christmas time. God can turn into this like genie in a bottle thing. God, I love you so much. I would love Legos. <laughs> or, or God, can I have a pony? And you know, the parents like a pony? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> we don't even have a barn. <laughs> you know. I want to pray this morning that we would shift our perspective just for a moment from God give me to God use me.
God, would you take this life? I don't feel worthy. And I don't even maybe right now understand how you could. But could you take me and use me? Can you use me to bring life and light and hope to someone else? God, can you take what I thought was utter brokenness and turn it into your glory? Can you rewrite the script of some of the damage that's happened in my life? God, can you spin it around and turn it into beauty? God, would you use me? Because here's why this is so important. The fight for your kingdom, your will, your way, your desires, your wants, your dreams, your goals. Listen to me. The fight for your kingdom will require you to destroy others to get what you want. But the fight for God's kingdom will require you to build and bring life to everyone around you. I'm praying that today each of us would make a kingdom request. With open, empty hands, we would simply say, God, use me. God, I'm available. What ring do you want to be? It's the same object. Quite possibly shaped. Do you want your life to be put on display as love and truth? Or we can fight for what we want. Desperately to get my dreams, my desires, and without even realizing it, we're taking our life and we're filling it with poison. Same object, different purpose. Two rings, but they reveal two separate different things. See, in 2021, the question was, what does God want to do in and through you? Can I just plead with you for a moment just to pause here and just, I beg you, allow God to dream with you once again. I'll never forget, it was a few years back, and I was at a really dry place spiritually. And I was at a prayer night, and um, I was sitting here in this moment, and, and I was in a spot where like I, I was doing all the right things and I was taking part in the right activities and I was working really hard in ministry, but it had become like a chore to me rather than the thing that had filled my soul. And I remember sitting there at the altar and I remember praying and I remember the Holy Spirit whispering to me and he said this to me. He said, Josh, when was the last time you daydreamed for my kingdom? And I remember sitting there going like, man, I've been spinning my wheels. I've been doing a lot of things, but God, I have forgotten, I think my first love. The reason I'm doing all of this, the reason this is so important. And I believe that God stays wanting to speak to some of us and he's going, when was the last time you daydreamed for my kingdom? When was the last time you realized I can still use you? If you're here today and you feel like you have written yourself off and God has written yourself off. Can I just pause the script in your head and go, sorry, only one of those is true. You might've written yourself off, but God most certainly has not. You go, but Josh, you don't understand. You don't know what my life's like. Oh, is it a little like clay? Funny thing, the God you serve is a potter. Would you hand him the clay? 
It's, it's really dirty. Oh, that's, that's cool. The, the potter's still good with dirty clay, too. Well, you don't know where it's been. Uh, that's right. On the bottom of a stream bed with dead things growing around it. That, that's what clay is. <laughs> yeah, he, he takes that and turns that into beauty, too. You, you don't understand where I've been or what I've done. That's, that's true, but I, but I understand how good he is. He's the master artist. And if we will hand him the clay and say, God, I'm available. God, I'm willing to be used. What if we shift our gaze from what I want, what I feel like I deserve, my dreams, my desires, and we shifted it to, God, would you mold me? Would you make me a reflection of your nature and character? Would you use me? Would you use my words, my gifts, my talents, my job, my money, my resources, my family, my house, my personality, every part of me, God, would you use me for your glory? Mold changes the look and the purpose. Next week, we're going to start a whole series on spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines that can change us dramatically. But would you daydream with me? Grady, would you come up? Would you daydream with me this morning as we come to a close? When we typically daydream, especially on days like this, when it's, or, or uh, likely like there's a beach somewhere with the hot sun, the ocean waves are trickling in. Some of you are like, no, I love the snow. <laughs> we start to daydream about things that either we don't have or places we haven't been or where we wish we could go. Um, but our dreams that are pursued often can take place. That's not always a good thing. What if today, what if today you allowed the Holy Spirit to speak and he just started whispering to your soul, and what if today you daydreamed with me about what God could do in and through you? What would your life look like one year from now if you completely, fully surrendered to God. What is today's date? December 27, 2021. 365 days from now, what would your life look like if you spent 365 days saying, God, use me? Can I tell you something? It would look dramatically different. What would daydream with me how would you be different if you spent the next year pursuing his kingdom over your wants? Or what would you look like? Or what would we look like if every one of us, what would this church look like if we fully ask God, God, would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would you use us? Would you fill us? Would you allow your light to shine through our church that every person who walks through those doors, every person in this room that they come into contact with, it's like they just bumped into Jesus. Can you daydream with me what it would look like if you said, you know what, God? In 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm going to detach from fill in the blank. And I'm going to use that time to pursue you, to know you. 
What would it look like to pause our endless search of success and fulfillment in things or in people and instead daydream what God could do through us? I have a dream of a church full of jars of clay that have been molded by the very hand of God that are available for his use. A group of individuals that said, God, would you start revival here in me? It begins here. God, would you take this heart? Would you mold it? God, would you shape it? God, would, would you put your hands on it? That's what I love about the picture of the potter and the clay. It's not like the potter's like off in a distant room giving instructions to someone else. The potter's there with his hands right in the, the midst of the grime, with his hands shaping intimately, carefully, molding every single seam, every single edge to be shaped perfectly. Listen to me. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. Your father in heaven is a very good potter, and he's not scared to touch your life. In fact, he wants to be invited in. He wants you to go, God, would you search me? God, would you get involved? God, would you just shape me and mold me and make me more like you? The question is, are you and I, are we available? Are we ready? Are we willing? Are we saying, God, my heart is pliable. It's open to you. Here's how I want us to close this morning. I want us to take a moment to process what God has been speaking, how he's been leading, and what he's been doing. And then I want us to take a moment to respond to his voice. Each one of us individually, I don't know where you're at. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know one thing emphatically for sure, and that's that God's pursuing you. I can say that. In fact, I don't, I don't even have to worry about that. That's not even a question on my mind. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is present in this room. God is chasing after you. Would you hand over your heart to him this morning? Would you say, God, there's some calluses. <laughs> I don't know what they are for you. Where's that spot where maybe you've been wounded, but you've allowed death to grow over it and you don't even feel anymore? Where's that place where you're like, God, I gotta lay this down so that I can feel even once again. God, would you, would you hand that to him today? Some of you, you need to hand over your dreams. Some of you, you need to hand over your wounds. Some of you this morning, you need to just simply say, God, would you use me again? You've watched him use you in the past. You've seen him do great things, but you've come to a place of spiritual stagnation because you've been pursuing and wanting to be the potter of your own life for far too long that you've taken his hands off the clay and you've gone, God, I feel like I've done a pretty good job with it, but at the same time, nothing fulfills, nothing satisfies. God, would you once again put your hands back in? And God, would you shape me once again? Grady's gonna lead us in a song. And it's a song that's simply called Available. I want to read you the words that he's about to sing so that when he sings them, they can hit your heart. Narrow as the road may seem, I'll follow where your spirit leads. Broken as my life may be, I will give you every piece. I hear you call, I am available. I say, yes, Lord, I am available.
Verse two, here I am with open hands, counting on your grace again, less of me and more of you. I just wanna see you move. I hear you call, I'm available. I say, yes, Lord, I'm available. And then it goes like this, here I am, here I am, you can have it all. You can have it all. Here I am, you can have it all. For the one who gave me life, nothing is a sacrifice. Use, use me how you want to, God, have your throne within my heart. We're about to sing this. And in this moment, one of two things can happen. This can be just words on a screen. You absolutely have the right to stand up or sit down and just sing, and it can mean absolutely nothing. But there's a second option. This can become a prayer. This can be deep calling out to deep. This can be your heart saying, God, would you speak again? God, would you use me again? God, maybe for the first time ever, God, I'm gonna fully hand over. And my prayer is that today your heart would respond. As he leads us, can I just encourage you if today, maybe don't feel like you have to, but if you would like to respond saying, God, yes, use me. I, I just wanted you to know this altar's open. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna be up here. I'm gonna be praying, God, would you use me? God, I'm available. And what I'm asking is, as you're singing this song and, and, and as you're worshiping and as you're going to God, can do, do two things. I want you to make yourself available, but I also want you to specifically ask, God, would you daydream with me again? Would you speak into my heart? There's people in this room right now that God's wanting to use you. Listen to me. God is wanting to use you in this church even now. Maybe you're to be a kid's worker. Maybe you're to be a door greeter. To, like the first people that come walking in, they see your smiling faces. You're like, I'm so pumped you're here. Maybe he's wanting you to start something for his kingdom. Maybe there's a person he's wanting you to encourage. I don't know what that daydream is, but I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna speak today. So would you stand with me this morning? Holy Spirit in the gap, in this space created in 2020, where we have an opportunity to take stock, to look backwards and to look forward, to go, God, who am I? How did I get here? How am I becoming this way? That Lord, we would pause long enough just to hear your spirit speak. God, that we would pause long enough to say, God, I'm available to you. God, I'm available. Would you speak? Would you move? Would you act? God, would you daydream into my heart once again? Would you take this broken vessel and use it for your glory? Because you do that. God, you are the potter. We are the clay. Holy Spirit, I pray for hearts right now. I pray that there would be a sensitivity in this room right now to your spirits moving. That you would pull back calluses that have maybe been there for years and you would allow healing and life to invade. Holy Spirit, I pray for healing right now. Lord, for every man and woman in this room, I pray that healing would enter hearts. That Lord, they would hear from heaven, there's a God who loves them, that a God who is for them and who wants to speak and still use them. God, I pray that that would take place in this moment and that God, we in turn would respond and say, search me, know me. Would you shape my heart? God, we're available.